Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Certainly a wonderful day in the crypto hood. Now, some people don't agree with what I just said and they feel like crypto's in a bad spot. I don't agree. I think it's in a reasonably good spot and I'm going to explain why. Welcome. My name is Leister. Welcome back. If you're not new, welcome to the show. If you are new, I have a lot of things to talk about and a very finite span of time in which to cover everything. So I'm going to be going through this somewhat at a rapid pace. I will do my best not to go too fast. I encourage you to look up some of these. If any of these pique your interest, I encourage you to look them up separately and do your own research because I think they are important for why I feel the way I do. First, let's start with some numbers. I don't have a personal update. I do, but not yet. It'll wait till the Thursday episode. For right now, let's get into some numbers right off the jump because the numbers are what's causing people to completely emphatically disagree with Leister here at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I'm using Coindesk.com. If you would like to follow along, I zoom out to the month chart and I start with Ethereum because it gives me a better indicator. Now, Bitcoin is the one that grabbed news and grabbed some headlines. I'm going to talk about this, but for Ethereum, specifically Ethereum. Ethereum has roughly an equal amount of red and green. It's looking like things are in the red or trending towards the red. If you look at the visual direction of it, it looks like it's trending toward the red. I actually think that we may go up a little bit here in the near. At the bottom of 1824, high of 1875. To me, I think we may go up a slight bit. I don't think we're going to go on a run. I think we'll go up a, a very slight bit. So there's an opportunity for profits. If you're in the Ethereum ecosystem and all the other core coins or any of the other coins on those blockchains, there's an opportunity to make profits. I'd like you to consider for the next couple of months, arguably for the remainder of the year, you're going to ideally look for opportunities to make profit, not necessarily look for opportunities to become a millionaire. Opportunities to become a millionaire are far and few in between. If you're a gambler, I celebrate your right to be a gambler. There are certainly gambler opportunities that are out there and will continue to be. I simply say that from my perspective and from my lens, we're not going to get to any sort of immediacy of 
millionaireism in the short term unless you gamble. Even Pepe, for all of its hype, is down roughly 50% from its peak. It's lost a lot of the value. It's lost a lot of the steam. That tells you one thing. Tells you the vast majority of people that were in it fomoed in after it did the run. Rich people triggered it. FOMO people followed it. Rich people dumped off it, causing those people to become exit liquidity. I don't want to see that happen to anybody listening to Michelle, but it's going to happen again. It happened with Pepe too. It happened with Ship too. I believe it's happening with Link too here soon. I think people are falling for the trap, which is why a couple of weeks back I said I didn't see meme coin season necessarily. I saw traps. That's what they were effectively. And I don't want people to be trapped, but I can't tell you what to do with your money either. So I look at the numbers and I see that there should be some slight upward movement here soon. I could always get it wrong. And that's why I encourage you to be careful and thoughtful about what you do and don't invest in. Let's crash course through some news that happened that will explain the run-up that Bitcoin had. Bitcoin got over 30,000 a little bit. It didn't last. People were quick to dump that bad boy, but it got over 30,000 really recently and then dumped a little bit back down. It's about 29, 29.8. So it's close to the 30,000 mark, but it doesn't have the upward run pressure that we might've expected. And Ethereum did not go on a significant run as we might've expected. Certainly not percentage wise, not equivalent to what Bitcoin did. Usually when Bitcoin goes up to a significant degree, you see Ethereum go up even more. That didn't happen this time. That tells me largely it was Bitcoin traffic and people didn't bite, as in bait, right? Didn't bite on it. It is what it is. But the news, I think, will be enlightening as to what may be happening, what's going on, and what's happening with sentiment around at least the United States. Recently, the feds, as in the Federal Reserve, did an announcement. They said that we're going to look into a new program so that we can oversee cryptocurrency with banks. Now, if you're getting a hint of deja, if you're a long-term listener, you're hopefully getting a hint of deja vu. Why are you getting a hint of deja vu? Because some weeks ago, you would have heard Leister here at CryptoTalkRadio.net say, what if we had a world where the banks actually could help you transact cryptocurrency? You could just walk into a bank, buy and transact cryptocurrency without having to go through the sketchy business that's out there. Listen, if it's not clear by now, I, there's there have to be some major players listening to Michelle because this keeps happening. You know, I taught these ideas. I'm like, what about this? How about this? And then the next thing you know, it comes to be a thing. PayPal, which is a different bit of news, recently announcing that it wants to issue its own stable coin. If it hasn't become clear, there's got to be important people who are listening to the ideas that are coming out of my mouth and they are taking them and they're running with them. I just... There's other ideas that I don't see people acting on, and I wish they would. That's okay. Uh, tiptoes, baby steps, tiptoe to the tulips. But we're getting there, folks. We're, we're getting there. We're getting, we're, people are listening, and that's good. People are listening. This is what we want, because think about it. L literally think about it. The idea of being able to transact cryptocurrencies through banks, that opens up doors. Not only does it open up doors, it lowers barriers. It lowers barriers because we should not need to do any KYC because in order to have a bank account in the first F in place, you already had to give up your privacy. So that gets rid of that one. If they can make it, and I don't think they can, but if they can, 
If they can make it where you can simply transact it and purchase it just like a bond, just like a cashier's check, just like a money order, just like buying stamps, just like getting notary, you just go, you buy it, you do the wallet, you do the thing, you do, 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 do. Imagine the possibilities, not just the possibilities for you as the transactor, but also the run up of cryptocurrency. Because what you're going to have are the lower level people, the people that are afraid of cryptocurrency, the people that are nervous about it, the people that don't understand it, the people who aren't going to go to telescam. These are the people who are going to do what? They're going to buy Bitcoin because somebody told them Bitcoin's going to be a thing. You're going to have parents and grandparents and great grandparents, you know, taking part of their wealth and possibly using these as stores of value. You know what that's going to do? It's going to cause positive price movement. I'm not giving you any guarantees. I'm saying if they can make this work and if they do it the way I describe it, which is make it more accessible to get into cryptocurrency. I should not have to go through a bunch of hoops just to buy cryptocurrency. I should be able to transact it as a regular routine thing, just like bonds, just like money orders, et cetera. If they can make that happen. If I'm saying these things, and mind you, I've got tech certs and I'm advanced in terms of technology, but if I'm saying these things, it's because I understand how challenging it is for people to get into cryptocurrency, and it is. People say it's not, it is. Let's take the Bitcoin ATMs, right? There's Bitcoin ATMs all around me. There's one in the 7-Eleven over here. There's one in the sketchy business down the road. The problem is the moment you do that thing, it's like, okay, well, scan your driver's license. Do, do, do. Like it asks all this crap. It should simply be, I got cash. You give me the crypto. I walk out. Banks can do this because you would have already had an account. If we can get to that point, it's going to open the floodgates, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children over the ages of 18. The question is whether they can pull it off. I think they can. The question then is whether they will. I don't know. I hope they do because that's where we need to be. Embracing it and recognizing you're not going to get rid of fiat. Fiat runs the game. Cash is king. But we can bridge the two and we can use one to maximize the other. That's what I want to see. And I'm really excited to have seen this news and hopefully it goes somewhere to where we can finally go on the run that we expected. Because if we can make widespread adoption a thing and get rid of the KYC, like think about it. You wouldn't even really need the exchanges for hardly anything other than actual trades. You wouldn't need them to buy crypto. It wouldn't make any damn sense because it'd be harder to buy from there than it is from your local bank. Imagine if you could buy cryptocurrency through like a Western Union or a MoneyGram where you could literally take cash in there, hand it over to them, Give the wallet address and they deposit your crypto and you're done once and done. Thank you, ma'am. That's if it sounds like I'm overexcited, it is. I am overexcited. I love what I hear and I hope it becomes a thing. The next bit of news is WorldCoin. WorldCoin I've been very critical of because I feel like it's a little bit sketchy and its price is a little bit high. And I'm certainly not a fan of people scanning their eyeballs for 25 coins or whatever the hell it is. Well, recently, their warehouse in Nairobi was raided by police in Kenya. They took a bunch of machines. They took a bunch of documents. Kenya, the moment this thing started to be a thing, Kenya came out and they said, you know what? Uh-uh. Not going to fly. We actually care about our citizens' privacy. We care about you not violating the privacy of our people. Some people on the other side said, they're stopping me from making money. To which I responded, and this is on CoinMarketCap if you'd like to see it, the young people out there don't understand. The young people out there just see free money. The young people out there are willing to sell their ass, literally at this point, Vaseline off the side, for a little bit of free money. 
there were there were pushes all through 2020 and 2021 and even 2019. There were pushes from the young people, questions being asked saying, why do we have to work for a living? Uh, we shouldn't even have to work. It should just be a guaranteed money given to us. We shouldn't have to work for the money. The money should just be guaranteed basic in- income. And then it was like, well, if we do have to work, we should be guaranteed a minimum wage. I don't know if you've been paying attention right now because maybe you haven't gone out to stores like I have and I don't even go that frequently, but I've noticed it. I'll tell a story real quick. It won't take me long. Way back when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, right? I went to a jack-in-the-box. And the moment I walked in there, I saw a, a kiosk, a little kiosk to order. Now, again, this is years ago. Do the math. This is years ago. Jack-in-the-box was on the bleeding edge. They had kiosks right there. And it was fantastic to order my food. The order was always correct. It was fast. Most people would still go to the lines. They wouldn't go to the kiosk. They didn't want it. They wanted the person attention, and their order was jacked up. My order was perfect, fast to do the order. I sit down, wait for my food, comes out, and we're all good. You still have to have a person to get the food. That's fine. Fast forward now. It's almost the exception where you go into a store and they don't have some sort of kiosk. Like Best Buy does not have a kiosk. I'm pretty sure they don't. GameStop doesn't have a kiosk. I think Target started doing kiosks. I know Albertsons did it. I know Vons did it, et cetera. So, and of course, McDonald's, right? So, you know, all these kiosks and things are calling all the place. And then the quality is crap. But then there was somebody online, and this was covered on Casual Talk Radio, and he was complaining about the state of McDonald's, you know, because in the olden days, back in my day, you know, you'd have the, the, the play place, I think they called it, right? And you had the little swings and the little, um, you know, deal that has grimace and, uh, you know, slides and uh, ball pits and all this, right, that kids could go and play and the parents would hang out. And and now if you go to see uh, pretty much any McDonald's, I mean, it's rare to see them have a play place. The one that's right up the road, there's two. There's one that's up the road, one that's uh, to the east. The one that's up the road, I'm pretty sure there's no play place on that one. The one that's to the east, I think there's a small one. It's a fraction of what it used to be. And if you look at the building, it looks like some sort of a, prison office or something, nowhere near the inviting, welcoming thing, right? So this is all byproduct of the rush towards automation and technology, which is a byproduct of the rush towards minimum wage increases and people shouldn't have to work and inflation and et cetera. So people don't know what they're asking for. They don't understand because they're young and they've not lived through these situations. But somebody who's older, such as Leister and others, we know what it was like. We understand the evolution part of a thing. I mean, there was a time way back yonder when when you would walk into a regular mart like an IGA and they would have like the security scanners, right? So if you to keep people from stealing things, that was the most technology they had. They didn't really have cameras. They just had to wait for an alarm to go off to that you're stealing a thing. Now cameras are all over the damn place. You can't even, well, I don't want to go there. Point is, the young people don't understand. All they think of is free money, not having to work, half-assing the work, not having to study, not having to learn, not having to get better. And so this world coin comes up and just says, oh, just scan your eye and we get free coins. Do, do, do. The people don't understand that you're number one, you're giving away your privacy. That's why I say selling your ass because that's what you're doing. You're giving away your privacy for 25 freaking coins. Are we serious, bro? And then I said on CoinMarketCap, I think the price is about 10x too high because it was trending at about $2, 210 and I think it's significantly high because the volume and the circulating supply don't equate to the price. This was a good learning opportunity for me to share with everybody on the show. If you didn't know, when 
Tokens get on exchanges, centralized exchanges. Anybody can list your tokens at any price that you want, and then it's a matter of supply and demand. If somebody's willing to buy your tokens at an inflated price, that is what it is. When SHIB first went live on Coinbase Pro at the time, it was overpriced, and people were actually profiting off this because some people wanted SHIB, and they didn't want to go descend. They wanted to go with Coinbase because that's where their money was. So people were getting ripped off. Then they complain, well, why was the price so damn high? It's because on the centralized exchange, it's fair game. Price can be whatever you want it to be effectively. And if you have somebody who's willing to buy and you got supply, it's all supply and demand. I talked about the game Mule. And I do recommend if you can track down a copy to just try it because it is perfect in how this all works. So with WorldCoin, this thing gets listed on pretty much every damn exchange possible except Coinbase, I believe. And it's listed at $2. Well, the supply... Circulating is only 1% circulating supply. And the volume is like $100 million, but the numbers don't make sense. You're talking something that should be roughly about 2 to maybe 10, maybe 20 cents, not $2, which told me people are just inflating the price and they're banking on FOMO. They've got people out there and a whole bunch of freaking news articles. I know you've seen tons of them. News articles out there talking about this world coin thing. And if you're in the United States, you can't do the eyeball scan because it's basically banned. Fine. So then people are willing to pay the $2 because they think it's a discount when the truth is they're actually getting ripped off. The price is trending down now, but the bottom line is, is that the people who are holding the 25, they think it's free money. Woo, I got 50 bucks and I didn't have to do a damn thing. Doop, doop, doop. All because of scanning your eyeball, giving away your privacy, drop trowel. World Coins already had situations where an auditor found a breach in the contract that lets you take over some of these orbs. The idiot Vitalik came out and said, this got some issues. It's going to take years to get it correct. And now you got this raid. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you not to do a thing. I'm telling you that I don't, I personally do not favor seeing young people lead to quote free money. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be in cryptocurrency. I'm saying that you should not drop trowel for free currency of any kind, whether it's straight cash or not. Cause at that point you're just a whore. That's truly what you are. And somebody's pimping you out. Because that's what we're talking. I would like to see if you're going to get in cryptocurrency, do it because you want to. You work for a living and you want a little bit of your extra disposable cash to go a little further. You're going to invest in strong things. You believe in privacy. You believe in security. You believe in the sanctity of your own body that you're not going to drop trout to some of these companies. Because again, when they later, when some of us are no longer on this earth, you're going to look back and when your stuff gets breached and stuff gets taken from you or it's going to be hard for you to get loans, you're going to be complaining, why do they steal my privacy? And again, I don't do that. So it's up to you. I can't tell you what to do. I'm simply putting out an impassioned plea. I don't think it's worth going that far. Again, it's all up to you what you choose to do with your money. The last bit I want to talk about, because it was a laugh, and then I'll wrap up here. If you have read the book, and chances are you have not, but if you have read the book Black Swan, the book Black Swan, I have not read it, but the author of this book is called Nassim Tlaib. Nassim Tlaib is a, he is an extreme, I mean, there's levels to this crap, but he is an extreme critical of cryptocurrency. This guy, I, I know there's a couple of people who have talked about cryptocurrency and they called it a Ponzi, they called it, you know, the Gary Gensler method. There's tons of people out there crapping on cryptocurrency, don't get me wrong. This guy is at the top of the list. This guy, I, I know for a fact, people feel like slapping this dude every time I see him. 
recently there was an interview, and this was a little while ago, but it's still recent. There was an interview with this guy, and he was talking about the cryptocurrency and SEC, Coinbase, Binance, all the stuff that's going on right now. And he says, quote, I actually have been a critic of Bitcoin, duh. Quote, my principal reason is, guess what? It's not even good for money laundering. It's too traceable, you see. Stop. He's not wrong. One thing, one argument that the United States government has always had is that cryptocurrency contributes to financial crimes. It allows you to launder money. It allows you to extort. It allows you to go untraceable. So the government is right and wrong. They're right in the sense that, yes, you could go through like a tornado cash or something else to essentially, quote, wash the funds. It is possible to do this, yes. The layman person is not going to know to do that. Most people who are advanced financial criminals aren't going to go through the trouble of doing that because there's other ways that you can do it that are even less traceable than that. For example, cash. Now, certain cash transactions are traceable because of the way the banks work. But you can do transactions at a lower transaction limit and kind of duck the smoke. So as an example, and I know this because I know how the dark web works and I know how the transactions work. Don't ask me how. But the way you can get around these things is by simply purchasing something of a certain set of value times however much money that you want to get or have. Here's a great example. Don't ask me how I know this, but here's a great example. Suppose that I want to give you $50,000. I want to make sure that I can get you $50,000. If I were to do such a transaction through my bank, I could do a wire transfer. My bank's not going to really blink at that too much because I have a, it's a high limit. So they're not going to blink too much about that. And they trust that if I'm doing a wire transfer to you, your bank already verified you. The information on the transaction has to match your account. There's checks and balances built into the system itself. If I do an ACH, all bets are halfway off. They're trusting that I gave the right information and I ultimately could lose my money if I screw up a copy and paste, right? If I put the wrong bank, it's going to go wherever it went and it is what it is. There's not much I can do. But if I walk into the bank and I say I want to withdraw $50,000, I guarantee you you're going to have some people in dark suits coming up to you asking questions. The reason is because it's unusual to do that much cash withdrawal because they don't know what you're going to do with it. They also have to do some reporting. There's reporting they have to do to the federal government when those large transactions from that nature come through. They're going to have to answer some questions about what the hell's going on. But I could write a check right now for $50,000 and give it to you. You can go to your bank. Your bank might give you some flack because you've never done a $50,000 check before. You don't have history doing it. My bank won't care. My bank will take the money out and give it to you. Because I was the one who wrote the check. I have my signature on the check. My signature is vetted against the account at some level. And ultimately, they assume the only, the only way I could have got the check book is by, you know, me writing the check. Could the book have been stolen? Absolutely. And they say that's on me to protect my checkbook, which I do. But the point is, I can write a $50,000 check and nobody will blink an eye. But if I go get cash out, I guarantee you they're going to be all over me like a storm. So... If I wanted to get around this business, you could do it a number of different ways. Number one is by purchasing things that have some intrinsic value that you can turn around and sell. Obviously, depreciation plays a factor. If you buy a bunch of things, they're going to depreciate just by the nature and the virtue of whatever it is, unless they're high value, high demand items. 
As an example, don't ask me how I think of these things. Let's say you go and you purchase a whole bunch of Apple computers. Apple computers are pretty damn expensive. They're to the tune of minimum 1500 bucks to sometimes $5,000. Well, if I buy 10 $5,000 computers, I can shit I can get you 50,000 bucks worth of value. Then would you be able to sell those computers? This is where we get into the whole black market conversation. If you can sell them, then yes, you're all good. But let's say you couldn't sell them. If you couldn't sell them for full price, you can at least get partial price and that would be your net loss. It's still more money than you had. Some people will do that. They'll just take the loss because it's still more than what they had. This then is an untraceable if it's all done cash transactions. If you buy, because each of those buyers, 10 buyers of $5,000 each, they can all pull $5,000 from the bank and nobody cares. Nobody will question them. You get where I'm going with this? If you were able to find 10 buyers willing to give you $5,000 cash for each of these Apple computer machines, that means you can end up with your $50,000 rough cash without having to have anybody blink an eye at you because you circumvented the system. That's just an abstract example. There are tons of other examples of how people game the system. This is a known industry, a known business. It happens all over the place. It happens with cars. It happens with computers. It happens with gift cards. It happens with all sorts of different things. There are multiple creative ways of basically flushing money from one point to another. So for most other people, it's easier to do it that way or through like, you know, prepaid cards or something else than it is to do cryptocurrency because of a lack of fiat on-ramps. Fiat on-ramps means I have to have a way to turn this currency into cryptocurrency in the first place. And then fiat off-ramps. When the fiat off-ramp comes into place, there's scrutiny. So there's scrutiny at the intake because you got KYC. There's scrutiny at the out because of the limits. So it's, it's for most people, it's not worth the risk. However, if you go that route, then yes, at some layer, it is traceable because of blockchain. Blockchain is usually public. However, not every blockchain is public. Monero is not public. There are ways, again, to get around it, but they take more steps. They're not really worth it. One of the critical edicts about crime is that most criminals, are they're going to take the easiest path to get some sort of a gain. They're not going to take the hard road unless it's worth doing. It's got to be significant amounts of money, which is why you see most of these breaches in the millions of dollars, the vast majority of them flushing through tornado cash or something else, and they jump through the hoops to do it, and the vast majority don't get away with it. The one that just did breach of curve, he gave the money back. Why? Because it's not worth, it's not worth it. And at some point you're going to likely get caught out. So I disagree in the notion that it's completely traceable, but there are ways to make it, you know, traceable if you needed to. Back to this idiot, quote, gold, you can remelt bars. You can do something, but Bitcoin is a book entry somewhere that anyone with basic knowledge of statistics can triangularize. Stop. Gold, you can remelt bars. I'm not even going to address that stupid stupid statement, but he then talks about Bitcoin's a book entry. Anyone with knowledge of statistics can triangularize. Yes and no. There's a blockchain. This is true. However, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to leave it on the public blockchain, as I just talked about. There are ways to obfuscate those transactions if you really wanted to. Quote, it, as in Bitcoin, was transferred into a cult. I mean, the first time in history, probably, we're mixing money and cult. Usually you do cults with yoga, 
cults with something else, a cult with music. Here is a cult with a financial product. They don't work together well, as in cults and Bitcoin, because finance has some gravity rules that eventually end up hurting that model. Quote, cryptocurrency is a fad. I mean, the claims they make that they're a refuge are false, that they're good for transactions is false, that they're not even attracting the bad guys anymore. Quote, Next month, they're doing the Fed now, immediate transmission, so basically put crypto out of business. Stop. I want to talk about that one. So, as you can tell, he's hypercritical of cryptocurrency, refers to it as a cult. I've referred to it as a cult at, a, at points. I've referred to it as a casino at points. And it's the truth. That's what it's been turned into. So, his, his criticism is shared with mine in what crypto has been made to be. I don't believe, frankly, that he is against cryptocurrency outside of those statements that if we didn't have the cult mentality, if we didn't have the to the moon, doop, 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 if we didn't have the gambler mentality, if we didn't have the meme crap, if it actually were used in the way that we talked about with Mr. Sagala some time ago, I think he would not be as critical. I think he's critical because what he sees it became. I don't agree that Bitcoin is in that category. If anything, Bitcoin is the complete outlier exception and not subject to it which is why Bitcoin has largely been left alone by the SEC, because it's not subject to those same garbage rules that he is factually accurately seeing. He's seeing these things as do I. He's not wrong, but I don't think Bitcoin should be categorized with it. This goes to why some people you'll see on social media will say that Bitcoin is not a cryptocurrency, even though it is by technology means Bitcoin does not behave like all the other cryptocurrencies do. The other cryptocurrencies have their own nuances and that are problematic in of themselves, Bitcoin does not follow those trends. And so it's a little bit of a different ballgame when you talk about it. Quote, when someone says this is generational, when you're talking about music, it's fine. If someone says this is generational, you're talking about what, finance? It means that you're glorifying ignorance, okay? And you can't glorify ignorance of random events with processes. To the contrary, you've got to glorify experience. Quote, soon the kids will no longer be interested in crypto. They'll be interested in, I don't know, some vegetarian diets or something else. So he believes that this is a fad. He believes cryptocurrency is not going to last. And he thinks that the young people, their attention spans will shift to something else. Vegetarian diets has already come and gone. And I would argue it's still around, but you don't hear about it nearly as much as you used to. All these fast food places jumped on the impossible and the beyond garbage that's out there. But... I don't disagree that there is a fad mentality to cryptocurrency. That's because of what we've imposed upon it and the rush to telescam and all of these different things that we put on cryptocurrency that have made it into a fad type of thing. Cryptocurrency wasn't a fad type of thing years ago. It was made that way. And FOMO played a part of this. Some of the big players, the Black Rocks of the world, played a part of this. There's a lot to blame to it. I don't disagree what he's saying. I think he's an idiot because, yes, part of what he's saying is the truth. At the same time, I don't think he's being fair in why it's a thing, which adds a bullish sentiment. You're wondering, what the hell am I talking about? Consider this, something to think about. Let's, let's take for granted what he's saying as fact. Let's take for granted that cryptocurrency, by and large, is a cult narrative, and we should not include Bitcoin in this, I say, because again, Bitcoin seems to stand alone in this regard. Bitcoin, for the most part, is ignored by the main retail investor. 
I talked about this on one of the previous, where some people said, quote, Bitcoin's price is too high. As we know, price doesn't really matter in cryptocurrency as it does in the regular retail outside of crypto. In the fiat world, price means everything. You couldn't buy, I mean, obviously you can do like timeshares, but I'm talking like cars. You could rent a car, you can lease a car, but at the end of the day, if that car is going to be $40,000, it's going to be $40,000. That's what it is. You can't just pay, okay, I'm going to pay five bucks and own a part of the car that I can actually drive. It doesn't work that way, brother. So cryptocurrency necessarily works in a different scope. Price doesn't matter nearly as much. Price simply goes to ROI. Price is not, you can own a store of value at a low price entry point and build up towards it. This is the very spirit that we eventually went to on the stock side with fractional stocks. Remember, there was a time with stocks where you could not buy a fraction of a stock. It had to be the whole number. Fractional stocks came later and it came in response to, I would argue, cryptocurrency and satoshis and partials and, and you know decimals. The idea that I can own a part of a thing, I don't have to own the whole thing. It changed the game. So my point is, with Bitcoin, there's a lack of understanding about the fact that Bitcoin does not require you pay attention to its price for the purposes of buying in. You can put as much money as you want into it. Its value increase or decrease is correlated to the price of it. But to get in, it doesn't really matter what its current price is. This is a failure of cryptocurrency to educate people on how easy it is to, to do that. But the barriers that are there, as in KYC garbage and sketchy exchanges and all this crap, causes people to turn away from it, which is why the total market cap has never gone above the $1.21 trillion in the recent, because they're turned off by that. They can't get in easy, which is why I was excited at the prospect of banks getting on board. Because if you get rid of the barrier of entry, the banks are going to educate you. They're going to educate you. You can spend as much money as you want to get into this because that's the way they do it for CDs. That's the way they do it for bonds. They do that. It's a service that they offer. So now if you give education as a piece, you lower the barrier of entry, you're going to have a run-up. And that's what we should want and that's what we should welcome in this. I'm saying, it, let's say he's correct about the cult and everything else. By and large, that's everything else not named Bitcoin. All right, that means that Bitcoin should have strong support and will continue to have strong support from the wealthy out there who don't go to telescan, the wealthy out there that don't look at meme coin crap, the wealthy out there that know Bitcoin is the go-to for the value that truly is in cryptocurrency. It is the leader and will continue to be the leader. And when the whole halving continues and when the difficulty increases and everything else with Bitcoin occurs, it's going to have a run-up again. With the ETFs, it just adds icing on the cake for them because, again, it's another intake point without the risk associated. So, big picture, I still think cryptocurrency is going to be okay. I think it's just not short-term. I think it's a long play as it's been. It's a longer play now because of all the garbage that happened. A lot of that settled down. We're not seeing a lot of these things crash. We are seeing exchanges shut down, but nowhere near as much as we did before. Some of the lawsuits that are happening is adding a little bit of bullish sentiment. And then what happened with Hex, I think, added a little bit of bullish sentiment, ironically. Not for Hex, but for other cryptocurrencies. Then you talk about all this stuff that's happened with Pepe and all this other. I think we're fine. I think we're in a good spot. I simply think it's a long play. What you choose to do from that information is up to you. Because other people will probably emphatically disagree with me. And that's great. 
I celebrate anybody to disagree with me. All I'm saying is if we look at the if we look at the long term of everything that we're at, I did an image on social media just recently about an old episode I did. Remember, in November of last year, Bitcoin was down to $16,000. We're close to twice that now. Are we really in a problem spot? Or is it just that it takes a while to get back up to where we were? I choose to believe it's the latter. You can choose to believe it's the former. That's the beauty of this industry is you can choose to believe what you want to believe. At the end of it all, though, don't FOMO into something just because it's green. Be smart about the decisions you make about what cryptos you get into and why. Have a reason that you're doing it, not just the green candle. It's got a solid project. It's got a solid prospect. It's a, you know, long play something. They just bought a golf course, whatever. Whatever your decision reason is, make sure you know what the reason is and you can back it up and justify it with a straight face. That's going to do it for today's episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber. We appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the link's at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also, check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors, the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.